0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy to see you all. It's really, really cool to be together. My name is Gabe Phillips, if you don't know me, and I'm married to the amazing Fiona Phillips. And we have, about three months ago, uh, something amazing happened to me. Well, actually, it was biologically about 12 months ago that I did something phenomenal. (laughs) I made a redhead. (laughs) I made a redhead, guys. I tell you, it's amazing. I just, just... God's good, God's kind, really cool, uh, populating the earth with redheads, but um, this morning, my first Father's Day, I've been so excited about it, uh, so, so excited, and then I wake up and Olivia's done nothing for me this morning, nothing, just a bit of a letdown. But but uh, she's been making a lot of noise, and uh, really I'm confident she's probably been prepping something great for lunch, so I'm excited, just saying I'm excited, but it's really cool to be together. We're going to read scripture this morning, then I'm going to share briefly, and then we're going to have coffee together, is that all right? cool. So let's stand to our feet. It's a scripture. We're just taking a quick detour from Galatians just from today. It's found in Luke chapter three. This is our green screen. Literally it's green, but it's awesome. The Hulk has been here. Luke three verse 21 to 22. It's a simple one. We stand because we really believe the word of God is power to change our lives. So we want to honor it and open hearts wide. Simply it says this, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word to us. I pray, Father, that you would leave us indelibly changed as we lean into who you are. We don't want to lean into our weaknesses or lean into our excuses. We lean into your promise towards us. And your character towards us, and we know as we do that, we'll find strength to face tomorrow and courage to handle today. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? Say happy Father's Day to any dad nearby. It's really cool. We're going to come into the light. Thank you. As I said, the last month or so, we've been delving into the book uh, called Galatians. We'll be back in it next week. But it's a a book where the author, Paul, is endeavoring to try and convince us, trying to convince the church of Galatia then and subsequently us here in Cape Town today, that our faith is not a faith based on conditions. It's not a faith based on ifs and buts. It's actually a faith that is based on the promises of God to us. We've been laboring this and, and, uh, but for some of us it might be a bit of a struggle to understand this because in the society we live, the modern day society, talk is cheap. Am I right? Talk is cheap. It's, it's, it's almost like you want to say, show me the money. Don't just tell me what you say. I want to understand. I want to know it because we've seen far too often people reneging on their promises to us. I don't know, it's almost become acceptable, almost expected that actually when somebody says something, it's almost like that's too good to be true, what's the catch, when are you going to let me down in this? I, 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 maybe it's just me, but I'm willing to bet that there are many people here today who have got broken hearts, broken hearts because people over the years have made promises that they have not, they've gone back on. Maybe it was that guy or girl that you have took on a date and it was so good in, in your eyes and they promised they'll phone you back. And they never did. Am I just the only one? Sorry, was like, no, it never happened. Okay. Ap- apologize. Maybe it was uh, your boss who, who said to you, if you reach your targets, I promise you're going to get a bonus and you're going to get a promotion. And you reached your targets and like an expected child was there and someone else got promoted. And you just, your heart got hard. Or maybe it was when your dad, years ago, promised you, I'll come watch your game. Or he promised you and said, I'll pay for your studies. Or we promise you, I'll never walk out on your mom. But unfortunately, maybe your dad said those things, but then did not follow through on those promises and did not keep them. I want to say this morning, my prayer is that no matter uh, where you are today, whether you are a dad yourself, whether you are a good dad or an average dad, or whether you are, we've all had dads, Biology 101, here we go, we've all had dads, somewhere along the line. So i teach you guys this morning. But whether you've had a great dad, a great role model, or you've had a dad who's been not so great, who's let you down time and time again, or wherever you stand in your life, I want to say today I'm praying that you'll be convinced that the heavenly Father is better than you think. My sole purpose this morning is to convince you that the Father is better than you could ever imagine. And I pray that if we get that in our hearts, we'll start to understand that the promise He's made to us in Jesus will never let us down. And it'll bring security to our hearts. So everyone okay with that? Good. Simple task this morning, but let's get on with it. The first point, three points out of this text from Luke chapter three that is probably well known in the church, but maybe not so well known by everyone. But it's this amazing moment where Jesus gets baptized and he comes out the water. And as he comes out the water, there's a, a voice from heaven sounding. The voice of the Father speaks over Jesus. And there's a three takeaways I feel I want to explain to us about the Father this morning. Number one is this, that the Father is present. The Father is present. I love how this opens up. Jesus comes out, the first things out of heaven, the first voice that sounds. is not the voice of man, not the voice of the accused. It's the voice of a father who says, this is my son. Unashamed. I, we read it in quite a somber tone. This is my son. And we think it's Morgan Freeman's voice. who I love and I'm well pleased. I think it was ecstatic. It's the Father's voice echoing. The, the, the curtains open up on the new chapter of the new covenant. And the Father declares, this is my son with joy. He's present. And I love this moment. From the word go, he identifies himself as Jesus' dad. I want to put this in there. God the Father is not a father that you see on weekends. Many of us maybe grew up on that sort of thing. This weekend I'm with mom. Next weekend I'm with dad. And we put that into our lens of Christianity. And many of us live that there's a father who we see on weekends. Or maybe he's a father who's available in the crisis. And when we're in trouble, we whoa, we're, God, I need you. As if he's somewhere far. God! Where are you? I want to tell you, the Father's made a promise to you now. He said this, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. The Father is present. I want to tell you, so I'm a last Lamaki, is that how you say it? In your Lot, Lot, thank you, learning as well. It's a two-way street, biology, Afrikaans. There we go. But I'm a Lot Lamaki. Uh, By quite a long way, so that my my parents were often mistaken as my grandparents at sporting events. They're like, "Oh, good, your grandparents are here." They're like, "No, they always fought it until they realised they could get away with a, with pensioners discounts even before they were 65." Like, hey. then they're like, "Yes, we are old, Zimbabweans. That's what we do." But I want to tell you, my parents, with their flaws and all, I just uh, the one thing that I love about my mom and dad is the fact that we were sporty boys, all three of us. My dad, not so much. Cowards were not given to him graciously by God. They were skipped a generation to us. And uh, but my dad didn't care about sports so much. He wasn't into it. But I'll tell you this: not a Saturday went by when I was playing a sport. When I look and I see the battered old car come into the parking lot, think Spud. That's my family. And my parents would get there and my dad from the sidelines would yell out at inappropriate times because he did not know the rules. I'm a spin bowler. Okay? For those who don't know cricket, we come on later in the game. My dad had been there 10 minutes and he thought, why is he not bowling it? He's the best. So my dad would yell on the sides, bring on the spinner. And I'd be like this, shut up, go. And as much as that memory in there, and that moment as a teenager, I was embarrassed a little bit. Something that I loved was that my dad was always present. My dad was there. Didn't understand what was going on, but he was there. He was like, that's my boy. I also want to tell you that the father is also not a God who's into timeouts. It's crept into our culture, the way we discipline children. You've been bad, go to your room. Oof, separation. I'm not here to, to give you parenting tips on your children. I'm not yet there yet. But I do want to say, I think the problem with that is it's filtered into our relationship with God. Where things are good, we know God's there. But when things are in chaos, or we're not meeting the standards, we think God's like, I'm out of here. Or God's like, you go into a room, think about what you've done. And we feel the separation. You say, we say these words, they trip over our tongues easy. I'm feeling far from God. When he says, well, I'm not far from you. The Father is present. The Father is present. Here's the thing, I went to Namibia, and I saw this amazing scene play out. I've told the story once before, but it was quite a while ago, so I'll say it again. It's so good, you say it twice. I saw this, we we're at this gathering uh, uh, and there's a whole bunch of parents and kids going wild and fun happening and a dad who had a daughter and a son, they were watching TV on the, on the side and uh, the, they were all chatting and then all of a sudden you heard shrieks coming from the, the lounge because the brother was punching the sister and the sister was pulling his hair and a bit of a scuffle that as kids do. And the dad went, hey, boy, come here, because it was the boy who was the antagonist and he comes through stomping through. And I'm like, so conversations happening, but I'm intrigued because it's a moment like, oh, what's going to go down now? We're gonna get the get the belt up, you know, it's like in front of everyone. I'm like, how do Namibians do it? Yeah. I don't know, I'm just intrigued. He's gonna to be told, Go, go, go to the cars in the car. I'm just I'm just watching. Everyone else is continuing, but I'm watching with one eye, this dad. And I see the boy comes sulking, yes, what dad? Yes, dad. The boy around eight years old, the dad said, Come, it's time for a timeout. So I'm thinking, Oh, he's here we go, he's off, you know, he's off. And the boy goes, Oh, dad, and the boy clambers onto his dad's lap. And not happy he puts his head in his dad's chest and his dad holds him tight and i'm just like well, this is strange punishment the boy's not happy okay this is not like it's light and fluffy this is discipline happening and the, the dad starts to whisper in the boy's ears I'm, I'm listening conversations have carrying on he starts to say boy i love you boy you're my boy we don't act like that boy this is who you are, you're my son. And he starts to like affirm who his son was, and, and there in this moment, holding his boy's boy, I can see they're not happy, and then the breathing starts to calm, the boy slows down, then after a while the dad puts his head to the boy, Are you gonna go apologize to your sister now? And he goes, Yes, Dad. And the boy gets up and goes and walks and apologizes to his sister. And when I watched that, my mind blew. Because I just thought, that's how the father disciplines us. Because the Father disciplines us. Just to let you know, it's not just light and fluffy, whatever, anything goes. No, He wants us to mature in Him. But this is how He disciplines us, not by sending us away, but by drawing us closer. He draws us closer. He says, actually, walk with me. I want you to come closer. And we have to understand that when we sin and we walk out in a tantrum, can I tell you where the Father goes? He goes with you. There was a theology that happened and somebody wants you to say, and I understand the context, but whenever you have a temper, the Holy Spirit leaves. I'm like, where is he going? Because everywhere he goes, there's sin. <laughs> I tell you, there's sin everywhere. Don't worry. There's a lot of sin. But the Father's not afraid of it because he paid for it already. He's present. There's not one inch of the world where he is not. And I want to tell you, he is present. And the Father is with you. And this is not light and fluffy to get, make you feel better. It's actually to let you know that there's no way that you can run from him. Davis says in the Psalms, it's the truth of who he is. The father is present and he declares this to you every day. Secondly, from this text this morning, the father is not only present, he is also affirming. He says this, this is my son whom I love father doesn't leave everyone, anyone guessing to his, about his feelings towards Jesus, not even for a minute, not even for a second. No one else goes, I wonder what Jesus and his father' relationship like. Is it a rocky time? No, no, from the word go, it's my boy and I love him. The father couldn't be contained with his love for his son. He is not some dour, grim-faced father that you're nervously peeking over to see if he's giving a thumbs up or thumbs down. Is my dad, is my dad happy? Did dad see that? Is it okay? Is it all right? Like as if he's some uh, Roman governor in the Colosseum going, uh, I'm not too sure, sorry. Many of us live with this understanding of God that He is he's in limbo towards us. He's like, uh, oh, you know, we'll see how you do. This week, good job, buddy. Next week, pfft, present but not happy. Present but just, dis- dis- no, uh, not good. No, no, he's present but he's also affirming. This is the father's posture towards humanity, towards Jesus. And I love this because he doesn't leave us guessing for a second. Many, I heard a friend of mine once say about his dad. He said, my dad's never told me he loves me. But he says, no, but I know my dad loves me though. He had to almost convince himself, I know my dad loves me. But he's like, but he's never told me. And I thought, oh. What an indictment. How, how can we live like that? I think in our society, and I understand how it happens, but we are people, God doesn't say, he knows he loves us, and he knows. He's my son, man. He was with me for eternity. He knows my affections. The Father's not presumptuous. He tells us. He tells Jesus, I love him. This is who the Father is towards Jesus, and by default towards us. I love the fact that he also says, he doesn't say, this is my son whom I love, but... Does he come in blonde? (laughs) Or I love him, but I wish I wish he was a little bit more well-behaved. I love him, but I just wish he didn't do those things so often. No, the father doesn't say, I love him, but he says, I love him, and that's who the father is. He's not a father who's uh, giving it out just begrudgingly. I'm sure I'll love him. I suppose I have to. I'm God. I have to love them. No, no, no. This is who he is. And I love the fact that it's not based on your performance but it's rather based on his heart. This is who the father is this morning. Now, let me talk about my mom and dad as, again. Why not? They're from Zimbabwe. But I used to love how they used to gather and you might have seen them when they come visit the church. i would do public speaking and before I was even finished. My mom would be trying to get the, congreg- the, 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 the crowd to do a standing ovation. No one ever did it except my mom and dad. It was that awkward thing. Done it here. We're finished preaching and they start applauding. I'm like, no, don't do that, mom and dad. It's who they are, and it's embarrassingly over the top at times. But I just love it. And I, the fact is, sometimes I've, I did public speaking, and the adjudicator would say, not great. My mom was like, what do they know anyway? You're the best. You're amazing. I, and then my mom once in grade two, I came second in the spelling competition. Unfair, my mom said. That's nepotism. That's, she's, they must be related. Something's going on underhanded there. My mom made a fake certificate to say you actually won. Saying first place. Put a, now, now whether that is playing into the millennial self-entitled thing, uh, maybe it is a, to a degree. You all get a trophy. no? But I think what I love about it is that it actually shows the Father's heart. That's who He is towards us. He's a father who's lavish. The scripture tells us in Zephaniah 3 that he actually spins wildly in delight over us. This is not a God who's like, yeah, I kind of like him. No, he's spinning wildly in delight. He says he rejoices over us with singing. What dad has ever done that? My dad loves me, but he has never sung and danced over me. It would be a bit strange. But that's the heavenly father. The heavenly father who knows my mistakes, knows my weaknesses, knows my faults. He's not denying them, but he says, I've provided a righteousness for them through my son, Jesus, so that I can declare that you are my son whom I love. Oh, it's great news. Maybe you've grown up with a, a, a harsh, tough father. And you think maybe it's a father's job to teach their child, children that the world is harsh. My job, I've got to tell them it's harsh. You know? I want to tell them, yes, maybe the world is harsh, but the father is kind. And I'd rather teach my children, they're going to find out the world is harsh. Absolutely. They'll find it out without me teaching them. My job is to teach them that the Father is kind. So that when the world is harsh, this is where you run. This is the voice that you are dictated by. Not the voice of the world that says you're a failure, but the voice of the Father that says this is who you are. That's my job as a dad. And our job as a community. Thirdly and finally this morning, the Father is present. The Father is affirming the one I love the most is the father believes the gospel. How's this? What what do I mean by this? The father believes the gospel more than you and I believe the gospel. Why? Because he made it up. He worked it all out. He knows it completely backwards. He knows it. He's like, this is the best idea I ever had. Eternity. The gospel. Angels long to look in on the mystery of what? The gospel that God would provide for broken humanity, a way to become sons and daughters. It's a mystery that blows our mind that Jesus would do this. So much so the Father says, this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased with him. Why is this huge? It's because in Luke chapter 3, if you flick the pages before that, Jesus has done nothing amazing yet that deserves the pleasure of heaven. No water into wine yet. He's done no raisings of the dead yet. He's done nothing of that. He's actually just come out the water. He's just been a son. And the Father says, I'm present, I'm affirming, and I'm pleased with you. We said in the beginning of Galatians here, he said, would you make the trade? Religion says you've got to work for God's pleasure. But actually the gospel says you work from God's pleasure. That he's pleased with you. That's how we are able to walk and live and be a son because he's already pleased knowing he is pleased with us. I want to tell you that the gospel declares that you work from the Father's pleasure. He's not a Zeus-like character at the top, waiting to reward you or, or chastise you over your Herculean efforts. And well done, you get a reef. No, you do not. A Zeus-like God, thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. No, that's not who he is. He's a father who believes the gospel. I'm a man who loves Movies and emotional ones are watching uh, Britain's Got Talent at the moment. I can't make it through one act without crying. My wife's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, it's the Panorotis adverts. I'm like, oh. <laughs> crying. Because they're so bad. But anyway... <laughs> don't get me guys out on the Paneratis adverts. But there's a movie, sorry, I apologize, that's on the side. There's a movie called Eddie the Eagle. And it's actually, I don't know if anyone's seen it. It's a, a true story based on a true event that happened in the 80s. And there was this young lad called Eddie who was born with handicaps and disabilities. It was a boy who struggled to walk, but he had a vision that he would one day take part in the Olympics. And this is just a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched it, block your ears. I'm joking. It's good. But in his, in this journey and his struggles, only his mother backed him. His mother just backed him and backed him and backed him. But, but his father and others, in, so including his dad, others, they, they didn't. They thought throughout the movie, his dad just ran him down, and he had actually pointed out. Boy, you're handicapped. And under, trying to protect him. You're handicapped. you wa- don't waste the money. I'll show you your lack, your, your defects. Come on, just settle. But Eddie wouldn't be talked down. And just in case, sorry, spoiler alert, he went to the Calgary Winter Olympics where he set the brand new British record for the longest ski jump ever for a British jumper. And yet still finished last. <laughs> he got the British record, but finished last. His story caught the attention of the world as many celebrated him and found such courage from his story. But others dismissed it and called him embarrassing and, and, and a bit of a, uh, bringing shame to the sport. But the story gets amazing at the movie. We're in the cinemas watching this and when he arrived back home at the airport, the crowd shouted his name, Eddie, 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 become a bit of a household name. There was his mom at the airport. As the door's open, his mom wearing, she'd always wore these cheesy sweaters, hand and sweaters, and she was proudly wearing it saying, Eddie, I'm Eddie's mom. Smiling there. And he's like, hi, mom, and walks in. Behind her is his dad wearing a jacket, grim-faced as he has been the whole movie, pointing out the boy's lack. And as the whole crowd goes silent for, for effect, they go quiet. He comes up to his dad, and he's a little bit awkward because he's spent a lot of money on this. And says, hi, dad. And he looks up at his dad. His dad, without saying a word, unzips his jacket. He's wearing a cheesy sweater, says, I'm Eddie's dad. At that moment, Gabe Phillips in the cinema is finished. <laughs> <laughs> Crying. And my wife's like, Really? That's all it took, eh? <laughs> Gone. And the reason why I'm crying, maybe it's, maybe it's because I'm a, of a softer disposition, but actually I believe something inside of me has got in of this fact of who the Father is towards humanity. And that actually, why are, why are people crying at Britain's Got Talent that the people who struggle and then get affirmation with the golden buzzer? Why do we all go, something inside of us longs for somebody to say, I'm proud of you. Somebody long, something inside of us longs for someone to say, I believe in you everything in our world people say don't give people a big head i say why the world will knock it down to size very quickly but the father pours out his affections and this is who the father is the father believes the gospel and he's standing unashamedly unzipping saying i'm gabe's dad this is my son with whom i love and i'm well pleased not based on performance but based on his heart i want to tell you this morning as a father if you ask me what I want to be to little Olivia Grace, the greatest little redhead the world's ever seen, I want to be present as a dad. I want to be there, not just in the high moments, but in the everyday moment. I want to be there. Secondly, I want to be affirming, not just guessing, saying, "Ah, so, see, she knows my love." I want to tell her that I love her, again and again, not just with words, but with my heart. And thirdly, I want to believe the gospel for her. I want to point it to a Jesus who says, actually, it's not about where you fall short. It's where he makes up your lack. Can you trust him? You can trust him. That's what I want to do. And I want to ask us as a community, as fathers, but also in the natural, but as a community here at Millington, can we create a community where we are present for people? Not looking over their heads, not looking at our watches, but present with them. Can we be a people who are affirming, not calling out the defects? It's so easy to point out the faults. It's easy. Can we look for the gold and call out the golden people? And thirdly, can we believe the gospel for people that Jesus, yes, your story might be terrible. Yes, you might have gone so far, but let me tell you, his grace goes further still. Can that be our default? Because that's the default of the Father's heart towards us. I want to land with a final story. There's a time every boy grows up with, a, with thoughts of their dad and they, I, where they say, hey, my dad is bigger than your dad. My dad could beat up your dad. My dad's richer than your dad, and, and 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 we say these sort of things. But then there comes a moment in your life where you have a moment of realization, and you're like, "Ah, oh, dad's not as cool as I first thought." Okay, you know, when you, as you just realize, okay, maybe for you it was when you first heard your dad with the hammer and he hit his thumb and he and he swore for the first time. You're like, "Whoa, I just not know dad said those words. That's hectic." Or or maybe it was the first time you stumbled over your dad's porn mags under the bed. Bit of a shock. Or maybe more seriously, it was the first time you saw your dad throw a punch at your mom. Or the time your dad said, actually, I'm leaving, and he never came back. The moment where you, you realize dad's not as cool as I first thought he was. I want to tell you, I had a moment of realization about my dad many years ago when I was a teenager in Durban. And I woke up one morning at about four in the morning, it was still dark outside, and I walked out there going to the loo because nature was calling, and, uh, and down the passage I saw the, the, light, the light on in the lounge, and it caught my attention, it's strange, so I thought maybe someone's left it on, I, I tiptoed down the, the, the passageway, looked into the lounge, and in the lounge I came across a very, very intimate scene where my father was lying face down on the floor, on the Bible, weeping. Crying with desperate, like desperate prayers. And like and I was I was quite shocked by this. I'd never seen this before. And, and I was quite bothered by this. And I, I'd stumbled onto this intimacy, so I backtracked. I didn't want, I thought I don't want to disturb this moment. So I walked all the way. But I lay in bed quite disturbed, thinking something must be wrong for dad to be doing something like that. Something must mom must be sick. Must, some, financially we're in trouble. Something's happening. What's happening? But I was, I was disturbed the next morning when I woke up, I, I sidled over to my mom and I said, Mom, I saw something last night that bothered me. She's like, okay. So I, I explained the scene. That I saw dad. I said, I see everything okay? And My mom shook her head and said, Gabe, you don't understand. Your dad has been doing this every day since we got married. He's been waking up and praying for the family. And in that moment, I realized that my dad, with all his faults, with all his defects, with his, his lack of skill, a cohorts with where he fell short a number of times. I'm not saying he's a perfect man, but I tell you, in that moment, for me, my dad became better than I'd ever imagined because of the stuff he was doing that I was even un- I was aware of. And I want to tell you today that that illustration pales into insignificance when you realize that the Father is present. He never leaves you. The Father is affirming. He is for you. And the Father believes the gospel. He says, I'm pleased with you, not because of who you are, but because of what I have done for you. And you'll never lean into displeasure again if you trust me. That the Father, the Scriptures go to say, He ever lives to pray for us. The Father is better than you could think, ask, or imagine. It's who He is. And when we understand this, it will affect every area of our lives. Parenting, teaching, work, being a brother, being a friend, I want to tell you, the Father is better than you can imagine. And I pray this morning that that will go deep in our hearts and resurrect dead hearts. And would bring courage to weak hearts and call us to trust Him with everything. Can we close our eyes? Father, I pray this morning as we, in this moment at the church we gather, we could choose to lean into our weakness, We could choose to lean into where we fall short. We could choose to lean into all that is so much to be done. But in this moment, God, I pray for my friends here that we together would choose to lean into the Father. I pray, it's a simple word today, but God, I pray that the simplicity of your gospel would break hearts open like never before. That you're whispering in ears, I am better than you think. But God, where are we going to get the money from? I have resources you don't know of. And I do not ever run dry. God, uh, my emotions are wrecked. I have enough answers for you. I am more than enough. Where do I turn, God? I am for you. I am with you. I will never let you go. I thank you, Father. That word would go deep in our hearts. I pray it would haunt us. As we let go of other things and say, God, we're trusting you alone. Thank you, Father, in this moment, I pray with boldness over every heart, you are present and with us. Right here, there are people in this room who are going through going through hell and back. I'll tell you, the Father's with you. He's not left you. I'll tell you, secondly, the Father is affirming you right now. He says, I love you. I love you. If you doubt it, look at my son Jesus and what he did for you. And thirdly, I believe the gospel. I am more than enough for you. You can trust me. So you sit there. Can you just open your hands just to God, a posture receiving. We spoke last week. We don't just be believers. We want to be people who receive. We believe and receive the gift of the Father. Father, I pray right now as we open our hearts, would we receive this revelation? We want revelation from heaven, not information. We want revelation. I pray right now to every heart. You're depositing the Father heart. Show us the Father. Philip said it will be enough for us.